I would like to share something from the book of Genesis, and then I'm going to briefly touch on a Christmas topic as well, but the, uh, I'd like to start in Genesis with a takeaway from the life of Joseph. Not the Christmas story Joseph, the other Joseph. Of course, all, all being related, well actually no, not entirely, because Jesus is descended from Judah, not from Joseph, but obviously within the broad narrative of the coming of Christ. But I want to look at Genesis chapter 39 and give us some Christian counseling perspective on some of the challenges that I'm sure we all face in different, different, different ways, different contexts, to different degrees. You are, I'm sure, familiar with the story. Talking about Joseph, he gets sold by his brothers to the caravan of Midianites, carried off to Egypt. Now he's in Egypt. He winds up in charge of Potiphar's household, Potiphar's wife, takes a fancy to him, tries to lure him into committing adultery with her. He, long story short, says no, and because he says no, winds up, she frames him, and he winds up in prison. So, Genesis chapter 39, verse 19. Now, when his master, that's Potiphar, heard the words of his wife, which she spoke to him, saying, This is what your slave did to me, his anger burned. So Joseph's master took him and put him into the jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the jail. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him, and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. The chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail, so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. The chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge, because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. When we hear the story of Joseph, or talk about the story of Joseph, Generally, we talk about him as a very good, heroic character. And I'm not here to say otherwise. There's no reason to think from what we see in Scripture. I mean, maybe we had a couple of faults like, why? it sure seems like you're rubbing those dreams in your brother's faces. What's going on with that? Not, it, at the very least, maybe not the wisest thing to do. They already hate you, and now you're like, yeah. And also, but at the same time, he is definitely an upstanding figure. In Scripture, most of what's recorded is good. We have every reason to think that he was a hard worker, trustworthy, responsible, etc. These people put their trusts in him. Honest, yes, feared the Lord. However, the biblical emphasis on Joseph's success in Egypt mentions his honesty, trustworthiness, integrity, diligence, wisdom in in planning and oversight and anything else. Not at all. Scripture gives credit to his success in Egypt entirely to the fact that the Lord was with Joseph. That starts at the beginning of chapter 9 when he first shows up in Egypt. It says the Lord was with Joseph. His master saw that the Lord was with him. The Lord, how, and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hands. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. 
Thus, the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned. The credit goes completely to the Lord. Then he gets thrown in jail, and guess what? The Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord gave him favor in sight of the chief jailer. The Lord was with him. The Lord made to prosper. The emphasis, the entire emphasis of Scripture is that God is the one who prospered Joseph. Amen. Now, do we think that Joseph did his part? Was he responsible to obey the Lord and do the right thing? Probably. I see no reason to say otherwise. And God certainly generally works through us. He works through means. He doesn't just bless us so we can walk in disobedience. That's clearly not God's God's pattern, the way he works with his children. However, the operative force, the source of the blessing, is the Lord. The glory goes to the Lord, the credit goes to the Lord. So how does that touch earth for us? The Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. So, what does that tell us? That tells us that God is utterly and completely sovereign over all of our relationships and all of our circumstances. Amen. Joseph is in jail. God put him in jail, ultimately. God exalts him in jail to being basically second in command in jail. He went from second in command in Potiphar's house to second in command in jail, and then he winds up second in command over the entire land of Egypt. God puts you in your circumstance for his reasons. Whatever your circumstance is, whether it's the jail or the White House, God puts you there. And he is completely sovereign. And He would, if you're still there, you're not stuck. If you feel stuck, that's because you're thinking in the flesh and not thinking in terms of faith. You're only stuck there as long as God wants you stuck there. And the moment God wants you to move on, he can snap his fingers and you won't be stuck there anymore. So, so are you stuck? No, it's not stuck. It is sovereignly placed. It is planted. It is positioned. It is stationed. You are a soldier given a post. And when it's time for you to move to another post, your general will give the command. There is great peace there. Is your heart a ruffled? Because, is, is my heart, I, I'm sharing things that I am learning myself. Is my heart ruffled by, I'm stuck. I don't want to be where I am. I wish I was somewhere else. This is not what I had planned. This is not my goals, my dreams, fill in the blank. Are you George Baileying? I never got to go to Europe. I never got to, to build things and go to college and see what they know. Well, you know what? If you are in Bedford Falls, it's because God put you in Bedford Falls. If you are at your job, or if you are a mom with three toddlers, or if you are fill in the blank, God put you there. And he will move you on when he is ready. But our job is to look to him, and to wait on him, and to fully rejoice and be faithful where he has put us. Like with Abraham. What does God come to Abraham and say? He says, go leave. And Abraham leaves. He doesn't know where he's going. And then God comes to him and says, okay, here's where, this is the land I'm giving to you. We walk with God and he will not leave us to flounder. He will guide us. We just have to look to him by faith. That is one of scripture's sweetest promises to me. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. We serve a God who watches us, who guides us, who cares for us. 
And Jesus says, what? Lo, I am with you always. Always. So that's one. That's your circumstances. The other part gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. So what are the relationships in your life that you're trying to control? That stress you out because X person is going to be upset. They're going to be frustrated. They're going to be stressed. Fill in the blank. Who is sovereign over those relationships? Who brought that relationship into your life? Who is sovereign over what that person thinks of you? This doesn't just say that God brought Joseph into contact with the jailer. It's not like God is just moving pieces but has no control over what the pieces will do when they interact. God brings Joseph into the jailer's life and God moves in the jailer's heart so that the jailer is completely just impressed with Joseph. So impressed that he's like, why don't you just run the jail for me? And that was God. Could the Did it really matter how great Joseph was? Joseph could have been super responsible and the jailer could have just had it out for him. There are plenty of people like that. Wow, you're, you're a really good administrator. You're going to make me look bad. I'm just going to make your life miserable. I'm putting you in solitary confinement. You can easily see that happening. But God is sovereign. God could have done that. That could have been how Joseph's story went. And if that's how your story is going, if, you're, if the jailer in your life is putting you in solitary confinement, then take heart in this. The reason the jailer in your life is not putting you in charge of the jail is not because you're not good enough. It is because God in his perfect will knows that that is what is best for you. That is the story that God is writing. And if and when the time comes for the jailer to look upon you with favor, he will. God will move in his heart. So, I have a metaphor to share, which has been great for me and my wife. Don't check the weather. If you remember the verse in Ecclesiastes, it talks about how he who watches the wind will never sow, he who observes the clouds will never reap, something like that. In our relationships and circumstances, it is so easy for us to constantly be checking the weather. Looking for clouds. And I have, you know, these, these eight people in my life, and they're all kind of like, they're clouds. You know, they're either clouds or they're, they're, you know, rainbows. It depends on their mood. And I'm constantly living in reference to these, these people. I'm looking at my, my weather app, you know, pull up a co-worker, boss, family member, church member. How are they feeling? And how they feel is going to determine how I feel. And if, if they are a cloud right now, then I've got a cloud in my heart, and I'm burdened, and I've got to try to figure out how to uncloud them so that I can have joy again. And you're living with reference to all these other people as your sources of joy. We should be living with reference to the sun. The sun that always shines. And that would be our Lord and our Savior. Behind the clouds, whatever the clouds may be, he changes not. And he is a source of joy that we should rejoice in and therefore not check the weather. But more than that, this passage tells us he is actually, he's not just the unchanging sun behind the clouds. He's also the weather maker. He's the orchestrator of the clouds. 
So if there are clouds in your sky, he put them there. He put them there for your good. He put them there to bring rain that your heart needs so that you can grow the way he has called you to grow. So let that take your relationship stress and relieve it. You can rejoice because God is sovereign. And of course that doesn't mean, okay, person X is mad because I embezzled, you know, $50,000 out of their bank account. Well, God is sovereign. No, that's certainly not how this works, right? We do have a biblical responsibility to seek resolution and to love others, but not to live with reference to others as the center of our universe. And here's a little, a little prayer tweak. Another thing my wife and I were talking about. So God is the one who gives favor in our relationships. Because of that, we are prone to pray, Lord, please give me favor with person X. And is that a bad prayer to pray? Not necessarily. You, you can pray that prayer. But the heart of faith doesn't just say, Lord, please give me favor with person X. It says, Lord, I thank you that I am walking in favor with you because of Christ. You see the difference? One prayer easily shifts back into man focus again. Lord, please give me favor. I'm asking for the favor, and then I'm going to go see if God gave me favor, and it doesn't feel like I have favor, and there I am back focused on this person again. The other prayer is a prayer of... My standing in Christ is that I am accepted in the beloved. I have the favor that truly matters with God. And more than that, if God wills it, I will have favor with person X. He is sovereign over that relationship. So I am not waiting to see how that's going to play out. But rather, I am giving thanks by faith that I have favor with God in Christ, and that is all that I need, and that my loving Father is going before me, and he will give me favor everywhere that he sees fit to do so. So it, it's, not a, it, it's not something we have to pray about contingently. Something we have to pray about in a wishful way. Faith doesn't just, doesn't just hope that maybe it will happen. When it is things that God has told us are the case, like that he is sovereign over our relationships. Faith believes that it will happen. Faith knows that God is bringing these things to pass when they are things that he has promised. So we can rest in his promises. We can thank him, not just ask for his favor, but thank him for his favor. Because, and this ties back into Christmas, he showed us his favor in Christ. And if we are in Christ, there is now no condemnation. We stand under the torrent of the love of God because of the righteousness of Jesus. And in that, we may have great confidence and we do not need to check the weather of relationships or to second-guess our circumstances. Instead, we may look to our Heavenly Father and rejoice.